everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chapter Surfing. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the Netflix original series Bridgerton. We're going to be focusing mostly on season one and the first book titled The Duke and I, but there may also be spoilers for season two and book two. And my guest is Ellen Carter, who you know from the Howard's End episode. (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Yes, thank you so much for having me back to, uh, you know, discuss something of equal academic (laughs) uh, significance. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So I went into this basically completely blind. I like vaguely Mm -hmm. knew what Bridgerton was, like the premise, but had not watched or read it at all. Uh, What was your background with Bridgerton before this? Yeah, so um, when the first trailer came out, every single person I have basically ever met sent it to me um, because uh, I am both known as being a Jane Austen and Gossip Girl fan. (laughs) Um, And uh, it really marketed itself and I think in many ways is the Jane Jane Austenification of Gossip Girl and or the Gossip Girlification of Jane Austen. Not sure which is more accurate. Um, But I'd never heard of the novels um, before the show came out. I kind of like only vaguely knew that it was based on a novel when I started watching the show um, and then like found out more about it after. Um, And so, yeah, so I watched the first season not that long after it came out. um, And then I basically mostly did not think about it until the second season came out at which point I was like yeah I mean what else am I doing (laughs) and I I watched the second season and then um you asked me very nicely to be on the podcast I think probably because I you know wouldn't stop tweeting my (laughs) takes um at which point I then uh went out and I bought both the first two novels and I did read the first two um, and also the summaries of the other ones, because I was curious if they were as deranged <laughs> as um, the first two. And don't worry, mostly they are. Oh, the rest of them are also deranged. So, um, you know, there's plenty of material there for the show. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I watched the show as it came out, and then I, um, just for this podcast, read the first two books. Nice. So, um, Yeah, I read the book first um partly because I Mm -hmm. knew you had watched the show first so I was like okay we'll get a slightly different experience (laughs) and um yeah you mentioned it being deranged so let's just get into that I know (laughs) I had managed to avoid any like major spoilers um so when I got to the point towards the end of the Duke and I when you kind of realize where it's all heading and what the whole like last act is it was just an absolute shock I was just like that's what Bridgerton is about wow I like the actual fundamental conflicts of this novel are so fucking stupid I just I I the part where he's like like, the actual reason, like, that they, like, have their, like, you know, final conflict breakup that has to lead into the, like, resolution being because, and, like, we're just, I guess we're just yeah, getting straight into let's the, do it. the spoilers <laughs> here, but uh, 
being not because she basically <laughs> like uh I don't know what you call it like marital rapes him yeah. or whatever um but because he like stuttered <laughs> in front of her <laughs> is next level like it is so I like I am so glad the show changed that because like it just it's like it barely makes sense when you're like fast reading like I don't know I feel like there's no way to read a romance novel that isn't basically like speed reading it so like I think they I think romance novels get a and not to like diss romance novels but romance novels get away with a lot because you're like basically skimming them um and yeah I don't think a tv show could get away with being like oh yeah the main conflict and like the major like final obstacle these people have to get over is that one time he stumbled over his words (laughs) in front of her yeah um yeah like I stumbled over my words I think three times just saying that so uh I don't know, man. Grow up. Yeah. So there's two main things that make The Duke and Mm -hmm. I a completely insane book. And Mm -hmm. yeah, one is how she violates him horribly by like forcing him to come inside her. And then the other thing is the stutter stuff, which I feel like is somehow like more deranged. Like you're just like, this is creeping me out more, even more than the sexual assault. They're so weird about his stutter. I know. And she's like watching him. Like when she finds out, she's like watching him form words and like is amazed at how like smoothly he like can like shape words with his mouth and stuff. And I know that it's like almost supposed to be sexy because like she's focusing on his mouth or whatever. But I'm like, oh my God, he's just like talking. Like, um, Yeah, reading that book really reminded me of this time I took this really awful writing class. And one of the things I really hated about it was that they were like, your protagonist has to have what they called a core wound. And a core wound is like the, I I, like Simon have a slight speech impediment. So I hope people know what I'm saying. It's like (laughs) core, like apple core and then wound, like when you're Mm -hmm. hurt. Yeah, okay. Um, But it's like, uh the one big thing from their backstory that like hurt them and is like causing everything now which like in that class I was like that's like not how anything works and I like Mm -mm. kept thinking about that reading this book because like every fucking second Simon is like no you don't understand we can't ever be happy I used to have a stutter as a child It's so much more of the focus is specifically on the stutter than the fact that his dad is a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, and I will say that is one thing that I think the show does well is it makes it so much less about him <laughs> stuttering than about his dad being an absolute piece of shit. Um, but it's so, yeah, it's such a weird, like, yeah. And I think core wound is like very much like, that feels very familiar to pretty much every romance novel I've ever read, but also, like, I don't know. I think Julia Quinn must have taken that same (laughs) class, and that's the only writing class she's ever taken because that is, like, 
if you look at the second one, the, the Viscount Who Loved Me, like that is literally Anthony and Kate. They both have their core wound moment. Neither of them, like, is with, like they both just have like this thing that's like, okay, like this is my problem. <laughs> and then when they acknowledge their problems, they're like, okay, now that I have seen that that is my core wound, I'm fine. Exactly, yeah. I'm good. And I feel like it, that really, like it, um, plays into the sort of like horrible way Daphne violates him. I feel like so much of like the justification for that is that it's like in this story, in the text, we know that his reasons for not wanting to have kids are like petty and simplistic and basically like stupid. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's like in the text, it's like, okay, for her to be like, no, you don't, you don't really not want kids. Um, yeah. But it's like, reading it, you're like, okay, I know that in the real world, if someone like strongly doesn't want kids, it's because of a whole myriad of complex reasons. Like, even if they might change <laughs> their mind eventually, it's not because it like was one dumb, simple reason to not want them. Yeah, there's like a complex litany of, thing- of things there. And even in the book, it's like Daphne doesn't really know why he doesn't want kids. Like, or in the TV show, when she does the whole, like, (laughs) terrible rape situation. Um, I, like, don't know how to describe it. Like, yeah, it's (laughs) when she makes him come inside her is, like, funny. Like, it's just a funny sentence. I don't know. It's so funny. Um... And I know that the whole thing is not funny and it's very bad. But um, but anyway, so she like doesn't understand like what the actual issue is. So like it's so strange that she's just like, okay, like I don't know. It's so strange that she like can do that and then like it's like played off as like, oh, it's not that big of a deal because like um because, like, it's a stupid reason yeah. or whatever. Because she doesn't really know, like, why it's a stupid reason. She basically just knows, like, hey, he's been lying to me. Um, which is bad, but maybe they should, you know, talk about that. And I guess they do kind of talk about it in the book, but mostly they yell and then he goes off and gets drunk. And so I don't feel like they've really resolved that one yet. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. Obviously, mm-hmm. like, you know, on this show I've done, like, Game of Thrones and The Boys, but, like... Bridgerton made me so much more viscerally uncomfortable (laughs) because, like, I feel like Game of Thrones and the boys have, like, a basic understanding of, like, this stuff being bad. Yeah, I don't know. Bridgerton, and it's just like, oh, she successfully fixed him. She did what she had to do to make him normal. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so disgusting. And, like... What's weird is, like, I feel like the TV show kind of tried to fix it by, like, making it so that he's not drunk when, like, she, like, maritally rapes him and he's, like, mostly enjoying it, except, like, the last moment or whatever. But I almost think, like, in the TV show, it's, like, it's at least as bad. It's And it's, like, worse in different ways because, like, the way she acts it, you can very specifically see her, like, make the decision to do this. Yeah. And they haven't talked about it at all, unlike the book where, like, they have sort of talked about it. And she, like, 
and they're kind of like, oh, well, like, she wasn't sure if she, like, really, like, physically made the decision or if she just kind of, like, did it and then, like, thought about it later. It's kind of like, you know, spur of the moment or whatever, which is obviously not better <laughs> in any way. But there's a maliciousness to how it's filmed in the TV show that I found equally upsetting. Like, it is, it's just an upsetting moment. And then she's just kind of, absolved of it because I guess because she didn't get pregnant <laughs> yeah and it's also uh um I, it was it, it was also uncomfortable just because I knew enough about the show to like know what the casting would be and the whole time I was reading it I was like it's so upsetting that people in 2020 decided to like not only adapt this completely deranged story but we're like you know what'll make it even better is if it's a white lady horribly violating a black guy that's gonna be our one yeah. big change yeah yeah and you know it isn't colorblind yeah. it's uh race aware it's not race blind it's race aware which uh i don't know if you've heard the showrunner say that but he said it many times wow. and i'm like dude that is so much worse and so much weirder <laughs> yeah. than if you had just made this show race blind. Yeah, it's um, so confusing because um, yeah. the like early on, there's a part where Daphne like lectures him and is like, "You don't understand what it's like to be a woman. You can't understand me because of your privilege." And so I was mm -hmm. like, "That's super weird." But I guess like in this world, just like race truly doesn't exist. And we're just yeah, it's like racism doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, it's like we just Sexism have to. Sexism still <laughs> going for it. And then like later after I'd been like, okay, whatever, I guess in this world it's like way worse to be a white lady than like a rich white lady than a black man. <laughs> um, like several episodes later, he starts talking to his aunt and they have this really weird euphemistic conversation where they're like. Yeah, the race speech. Yeah. The, they're like, look at the, the queen. Love and racism. Look at how things have come for people like us. And I was like, oh, I guess it like does exist. But it's like. It's. It's like the Regency era with like not even current politics because no one is like as horrible to the queen as they are to like Meghan Markle. It's. Yeah, or like Obama. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's so, it's so deranged. <laughs> like, in, and that, in that conversation, what like really sticks with me is Simon is like, but they could take it away at any moment. Like, that's his big thing is he's yeah. like, we have all these things, but they could take it away. So it's this like weird world where they're like, they know enough about racism to be like, oh no, what if people start being racist, which is such a weird universe. Okay. It's even weirder than this because I didn't catch this until this time that I watched through the series. But, okay, so that's like episode four and it's like they mention it and then they don't mention it again and I'm like, okay, great. Like you kind of figured out that maybe that wasn't like where you want to focus. Stop world building that. Let's just forget <laughs> it. But then in episode seven, uh, Lord Featherington, when he's trying to convince um, – the boxing guy whose name I've already forgotten, Moldrich or Mo Monrich or whatever, when he's trying to convince him to like throw the match, he's like, oh yeah, your dad was part of, um, oh my God, I, the, like Dunham's regiment in the, uh, in the, um, in like the American Revolution and like earned his freedom. And Dunham's regiment is like, 
a group of uh, black slaves who were freed by England to fight against like their American slave masters during the Revolutionary War. And then many of them either left to go to Canada or left to go to England. And so in this universe, slavery is happening in America. Like, like they're all doing this, whatever. And across the ocean, there are literally slaves. Like there is like slavery still going strong. I it is like the most deranged possible mix of like racism doesn't exist and like racism race and racism do exist <laughs> that you could possibly land on and the world building is so confusing because like i don't know the, the implication is that because george married queen charlotte all the black people got elevated <laughs> and rights which doesn't make any sense because Lady Danbury is supposed to be like from this historical wealthy important family and she's like straight up older than the queen <laughs> and like I don't know where did they get all these titles and land to just <laughs> hand out to all of these like black people like did they just do this as like part of their wedding like they got home from their wedding and they were like okay we got a bunch of land and titles here you go to all of the people of color could you just like line up outside and we'll just hand them <laughs> off like it doesn't yeah it's, it's so weird so like it's really simple to just have it like genuinely not matter like I think like the brandy yeah. cinderella is like something where you watch it and you're like this is fine like I'm not thinking about Who it cares? like it's yeah it just Victor like works. Garber and uh <laughs> oh my god uh, Whoopi Goldberg have a son who's Filipino. Great. Yeah. We love it. Exactly. Like, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, in like Bridgerton, it's so confusing and also just like has sort of a weird maliciousness to it because so, so much of the show is about the oppression of women and like specifically mm -hmm. like wealthy women from good families. And it's just so weird to be like the ways that wealthy British ladies are oppressed are like worth discussing and like worth really exploring and getting into but like mm -hmm. racism is not worth acknowledging at all except in like a couple really weird confusing lines of dialogue yeah it's it's just a really weird yeah it's just a really weird balance that I just can't quite get my like mind around yeah and like, I feel like when I heard people talk about it, like, the sort of, like, justifications were, like, um, you know, wanting, like, escapism and just, like, wanting mm -hmm. to watch something that's, like, uh, fun and where, like, black people are just, like, treated well and treated equally. And, like, reading those things, I was like, yeah, sure. But then, like, actually watching the show, I was like, who, like, wants to see a show where, like, black men are like lectured by white ladies about understanding privilege like who does that appeal to yeah it reminds me a lot of the episode of like there was an arc in like season three of Riverdale or season two or something I think it was season three because that's when I stopped watching <laughs> um but there's like an arc where Jughead is Jughead and his gang are like these stand-ins for like indigenous peoples <laughs> 
And so it's like this white kid played by Cole Sprouse going around telling like the black mayor and like the <laughs> Hispanic like business leader and all of these people that are like played by people of color that they like cannot possibly understand the oppression that his people are experiencing. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why I should why Cole Sprouse should get to do this. And similarly, I don't really understand like why this is what Bridgerton is choosing to do. Um, like I do, I do, I do sort of find it admirable to be like, hey, like, I don't know, like the Jane Austen aesthetic is not just for white people. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice change of pace. Um, and I actually do think they do some of the race stuff better in season two, which I don't know if you actually managed no, to watch I haven't any watched of it. it yet. Okay, that's okay. Um, but they they change um, the love interest for Anthony, um, whose name is Kate Sheffield in the books. They change her family from the Sheffields to the Sharmas. And they're uh, South Asian Indian um, characters who have been living in India and then come for the season. Um, in the books, they're just like living in like, I don't know, some province in <laughs> England. But... Um, but like they have like like they talk about oh yeah we like I like love India I love like the culture there and I miss my home and I like think India I she's like I think Indian people do tea better than British people British tea is terrible and that makes me laugh um and they like have like a wedding and you see like them do some of like the like traditional Indian wedding ceremony kind of traditional stuff um And, like, I think that that stuff mostly works because it's, like, acknowledging the culture without sort of bringing it into this overarching world building of, like, here's why all these white people are accepting these Indian people. They're just, like, okay, it's just, like, it's given, it's a given that they're all, like, happy to see these Indian people. But, like, also the Indian people do have some culture, which I think is... Like, if you're going to do this, like, race-aware thing, (laughs) like, that feels more like what that should actually look like. But the thing is, you can't really do that with black people, generally, because, because, like, their culture has been taken away because they all got enslaved by white people. I just, it's so, it's so weird. It's so weird. I don't know what to... Yeah. I don't know. And then he's like, oh, yeah, we're dealing with, I don't know. They say, like, oh, yeah, we're dealing with race and gender and sexuality and (laughs) class. And I'm like, you're, of all of those, you're maybe doing gender okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and even then I'm like, I don't know about some of this. But, uh, you know, there's some gender stuff that I'm like, okay, yeah, like, you know, gender 101, sure. Yes. Women had a hard time. in the 1810s we we got this um but like as far as class and sexuality (laughs) and all of that stuff goes I'm like have you done anything actually interesting here yeah it's so weird to me that it's a gay showrunner because I'm like do you know that like Netflix in 2020 will like let you do stuff like do you know that you're not making a show in 1989 and you I I am begging this show to just 
like, just let Benedict fuck a man. <laughs> I am begging. I, he literally, like, it is so wild watching Benedict's arc in the first season when you already know that he doesn't fuck a man by the end of the season. <laughs> because it literally is like, oh, like, okay, so he's hanging out with all of these, like, stuffy, straight, like, traditionally cultured people in, like, these, like, classic uh galleries and he's like okay like I want something with more life to it and then it's like ooh, this like art guy invites him to explore and like have the outside edges of society and oh he sees him like having sex with a man and he literally I don't know that actor I think his name's like Luke Thompson or something I don't know but he has a face that like he has an extremely slutty face. I can't describe it any other way. Like, that man wants to fuck every character, every other person he puts his eyes on. But he, like, literally when he sees, like, the two guys fucking, he has a face that doesn't look like, oh, my God, gay people. He, it, it's a, Which is, like, how they then play him the rest <laughs> of the season. But it's instead, like, oh, I hope, it's, like, Dean Pelton, oh, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. And I was like, I hope this does awaken something in you. I was, like, it is insane that he hasn't, like, fucked any men. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's supposed to be the artsy sibling. Just, like, I am just, like, all I want, I don't want to watch Bridgerton anymore. I just want to watch Benedict, the character, <laughs> fuck his way across England. Yeah. Just everybody. <laughs> men, women whatever um because that guy deserves it he like <laughs> he can look at anybody like hey i want to fuck you and i'm like yes you should get to fuck them thank you yeah absolutely and agree he, and i don't know i just genuinely don't know if the writers of bridgerton don't know what they're doing like do they not do they not know what like what's happening do they not understand how stories work <laughs> and yeah that's not even getting into like lesbian love of my life Eloise oh my who is I just and the thing is like she has no personality in the book yes like in the first book zero personality in the second book like Point one percent personality, you know. I, there is nothing to her character, and so they gave her so much character, and all of it is like extremely gay. Yes. Like everything they have given her is so gay, and I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I genuinely, I genuinely don't understand. Yeah. Um. I I do we okay we do need to get into Eloise because I I went and read the summary of Eloise's book because I was like I do need to know what the fuck is happening here and like I knew that she ended up with a man okay so you know Marina the like character who uh is pregnant and then she okay and then at the end she has to marry like her like her dead boyfriend's 
uh, like younger brother or whatever or brother and they go off um, you see them one time in season two um, and they are doing okay but Marina and Sir Philip Crane are major characters in Eloise's book because Marina kills herself <laughs> and then and we have never heard of Marina before that book apparently in the book series but Marina kills herself at the beginning in the prologue um because she's sad <laughs> and uh then Eloise writes a like hey I'm sorry your wife died note to Sir Philip and then they like correspond for a little bit and they've like never met in real life and then he's like hey do you think you'd want to like come be my wife <laughs> and then she just like leaves and goes and like goes to his house and is like hey I'm here to be your wife maybe and then it turns out he has two kids with Marina <laughs> um and then they like fall in love and the fact that that is like the actual apparent like plot that we are theoretically going to get in season like five of this show or whatever <laughs> is so insane like I don't know just just let Eloise have a girlfriend I am begging you let her run away to the fucking continent with like Penelope or I don't know some other bitch <laughs> because I can't do this I'm gonna quit if I have to watch Marina commit suicide and Eloise marries Sir Philip I it is so deranged. It is, it is insane. I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Eloise and the personality they give her. Um, Cause that's some, that, having read the book first, that was something that really stood out is like, I am um, in the book. I didn't like Daphne. I think it's this character mm -hmm. that comes up way too much in romance where she's like, just so cool and it's just like yeah there's all these One like of the weird... guys i have four brothers oh she mentions having four <laughs> brothers so much and there's like all these weird moments where like simon is like you know i might be a little rapey and her response is like i'm too cool and tomboyish for you to get away with that which like i feel like happens so much in romance novels and i'm like who is yeah. into that what <laughs> Um, it is such a specific type that I am convinced that that is just the personality of every romance yeah. writer. Like, it just has to be. It has to be what they're all like. Yeah, because I'm like, I get the idea of, like, having sort of, like, dark fantasies about, like, being violated or whatever. It's like, I get, like, mm -hmm. just being into that, but then being like, and then I shut it down by being so cool <laughs> is so weird to me. <laughs> Um, I am simply too cool to get raped. Uh, but anyway, cool enough to rape my husband now, yes. apparently. Um, but like, so I, I'm not really into that sort of like, oh, all the guys just want to be my friend because I'm such a funny tomboy. But I like get it. And it's like, okay, they made some attempt to make her like relatable and sort of a plucky underdog. And then in the 
show, Daphne's just like this beautiful, fragile, like porcelain woman who like for some yeah, reason the- I called it the Mary Sueification yeah. of Daphne. And for some reason, like, the very first thing they established in the show is the queen personally being like, oh, Daphne is, like, a perfect bachelorette and should be the most popular person in the town, which is, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to, like, root for that. It's super weird. It's it's so weird. And, like, I guess they did that so that you could, they could include the queen in the show. Um... But I feel like you could have included the queen in other ways. And the actual issue with doing that is that then Anthony has to be like the worst fucking <laughs> asshole it's to so ever weird. live. <laughs> yeah. They, instead of giving Daphne like any flaws, like daring to be like, maybe Daphne is not like that pretty or anything. They just have Anthony cock block her in this weird way where like, somehow he's scaring off every nice guy, but, like, letting super creepy guys through, which, like, why would that ever happen? I know, he's like, oh, all of these people are, like, pieces of shit, except for Lord Burbrook. <laughs> he's a good guy. And I'm like, he is literally the only guy here that genuinely seems like he might straight up rape your sister yeah. if you, like, leave him alone too long, you know? Um, it's so, it's so strange. Yeah. I... It doesn't make any sense, and it just makes Anthony so unlikable. Like, I fucking hated Anthony. I'm actually curious what you think of Anthony, having just watched the first season. Oh, yeah, he's terrible. Um, like, you, the yeah, plot they gave him was such right? a weird choice where you're like, oh, well, like, I know he has a love interest in season two, but I'm like, no, he should not be with any woman. <laughs> he shouldn't be allowed near a woman. He shouldn't be... Like, he should have, like, a like restraining order <laughs> against every single woman in the world, especially his sisters. Yeah. Like, I I hated him so much. And when they announced that season two was, like, actually going to be about him or whatever, I was like, what the fuck? Like, how is this going to work? This is going to fucking suck. And, like, they pulled it off. I don't know. By the end of the season, I was like, okay, yes, I get it. Yay, Anthony. Um, and, you know... They really got to, like, build him back up. But it's, like, I don't know. I don't feel like you have to nuke a character that hard to then, like, set them up for the next season. And they, like, they nuke Colin. The next season, the third season, is going to be about Colin and Penelope um, getting together. And they nuke Colin really hard at the end of season two. Like, they make him seem like a real piece of shit um, to Penelope. And... I'm like, what is it with you and, like, ruining your characters the season before we're supposed to root for them? Doesn't, it, like, I get that in romance novels they're supposed to start off, like, broken and sad and then you, like, fix them. But, like, there's a difference between broken and sad and, like, I literally never want to see your fucking face <laughs> yeah. again. Which uh. is... Yeah, it's just so strange. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so, uh, I, so I brought up, like, the, all those changes in Daphne, uh, yeah. as, like, background to say, like, it was so weird watching the show because, like, they gave all of the qualities Daphne was supposed to have to Eloise. I was like, oh, her sister is, like, actually, like, funny and cool and seems like guys would want to be friends with her. And it was just, like, mm -hmm. so weird that, like, they were, like, 
you know what? Let's make Daphne not funny at all and just like give it all to this sister. Yeah. And yeah, it's like they give a bunch of Daphne's personality to Eloise. They like completely like Francesca is just like not in the show. Um, which is apparently kind of the case in the books too. She's like basically not in the books. And then it turns out that she got married and like did all this stuff like while everybody else was doing their thing. Um, but uh, she's like basically not in the show. And then Gregory and Hyacinth, I think are pretty similar to how they are in the book actually. But yeah, it's sort of, it's weird like where all the personality goes. Yeah. And yeah, Benedict has, like, no personality in the books. But Colin and Anthony do. And I guess those ones are kind of accurate. Um, so, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird what they change and what they don't between, yeah. like, the characters in the book and the TV show. Um, but, yeah, they're all very they're all very stock characters, I feel like, in the book. Yeah. Um, other than Eloise and Francesco, who are literally interchangeable <laughs> in the first book. Like, the exact same character. Like, I think they just, it feels like she just made two siblings there so that she could be like, oh, there's eight of them. There's four <laughs> girls, four boys. Like, beautiful synergy. Um, because it, like, literally, it doesn't feel like either of them matter at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... One thing I thought the book did better was the actual, like, Lady Whistledown stuff. Mm. Um, did, I, did I say the book or the show did better? I meant to say the you show You said the better. book. Sorry. The, okay. Yeah, I up. was like, huh, yeah. interesting, the show, interesting. The show, I think, definitely <laughs> made Lady Whistledown, like, more of an actual thing. When I read the book, like, I, like... Like, actually matters to the story? Yeah. I, like, couldn't believe that this book came out before Gossip Girl because it felt like they like rushed to add in the Gossip Girl element um because yeah in the book like Lady Whistledown like doesn't matter at all and like a lot of her updates are like straight up she'll be like I don't know anything this week and it's like well then why are, what are people fucking paying for what and like, yeah my it's... favorite part is when Daphne gets caught like getting violated by Simon in a like a public park um <laughs> in like an outdoor courtyard and that yeah. makes her brother have to duel Simon to the death like during mm-hmm. that part the wait the lady whistle down update is like someone might have kissed someone at this party <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so weird and i don't know i I read the end notes on the first book and I really wish I had my copy, but it is uh, in my suitcase that I took to <laughs> Europe that is currently lost amidst uh, the uh, lost in the airports of the European Union. Um, so I wish I could like read it directly, but I, act- I read the end stuff mostly because I was like trying to procrastinate on reading the actual <laughs> book because I thought it was boring. Um, spoiler alert. Um <laughs> about my takes on the book uh but at the end it's like she's talking about how when she started writing this book like she included the whistle down character to 
like make it so they didn't need to have like a bunch of like expository dialogue and I don't feel like I learned anything useful from the like I would have preferred expository dialogue I'm like (laughs) the the information she gives is like like I love that the author admitted that because that was my thought I was like she (laughs) only put in this character because it would take like a little bit of time to tell you like all these characters names like just like the names of the eight characters (laughs) I'm like I don't know have a family dinner and just all sit there and like I don't know like it and it's like, I don't know, you invite Simon over to dinner once, and great, you have the introduction, and you can introduce all of these fucking brothers yeah. and sisters. <laughs> like, I don't know, I feel so lazy. And then, like, her dad, who is apparently a professional writer, apparently, like, snuck into her office and, like, sat down and read the first couple chapters, and he was like, this whistle-down character is brilliant, <laughs> Julia. Oh, she's so amazing. Who is she? Like, do you already know the answer to the mystery? And Julia's like, no, I don't. (laughs) And, like, I don't really, like, know what the point, like, this, I don't know, I just am having fun writing it. And I'm like, and he's like, oh, but you have to know. And I'm like, yeah, you kind of do have to know. (laughs) Like, and she's just like, oh, I, like, fell in love with Lady Whistledown and how, like, sharp and biting she is. And I'm like, is she? Yeah. Is she? You just, like took stuff from other novels so she could have her like witty little things she says yeah I don't know and it's like I don't know I wish either there had been more or she just cut it yes like the fact that it's just like a little header at the beginning of each chapter that tells you the theme of that chapter is weird yeah and I think like one thing Gossip Girl did, which is also a terrible book, but mm-hmm. one smart thing it did was have this element of how Gossip Girl would be like, oh, here's a tip I received. Someone said this, which I think makes it a lot easier to, like, not know her identity. Um, yeah. But, like, with Lady Whistledown doesn't have that, so you're like, at some point you would be like, okay, like, who watched these conversations? <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. And it's so... It's so weird that, um, it's, like, so strange that in the book, at least, like, I don't know, it's, like, it's all about the main characters, except they never actually say anything that affects the main characters in any meaningful (laughs) way. Yeah, Um, like, so much of... So much of Lady Whistledown's reports is just, like, what people were wearing at these parties. And it's like, yeah, you were all there. Like, you all saw that that person was in a yellow dress. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, I just show up to the party and gossip with your friends. Like, it has the exact same effect. And you all were already there gossiping with your friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, like, has, like... Slight, I will say it has slightly more of an influence on the plot of season two in that the reason that Kate, who is Anthony's love interest in um, book two, doesn't like him in book two is because she read in Lady Whistledown that he is a rake. <laughs> and so she's like, hmm, I don't like him because Lady Whistledown thinks he's a rake. And... That's how much she matters in book two. Um, so, 
yeah, it's so, it's such a weird plot device to act like, oh my gosh, this is what like sets these books apart mm-hmm. from other romance novels or whatever, because like, yeah, it's, it's so weird how just like, if almost every chapter opening after like the first one where she's actually introducing the Bridgertons, after that, they're just, like, all, like, these weird, like, little quips that are just, like, mm, tea is a little better with milk in it. And you're just, like, why is everyone paying for this gossip? Like, I would prefer, even if it was just, like, made-up character, like, if it was only in yeah. that thing, that she would be, like, you know, Sir Peter got caught doing this, that would still, like, add to the ambiance more... Yeah, I would get really invested in all of these other people, like, doing nonsense. Like, I I would love that. That sounds fun, you know? I, yeah, I just think it's, yeah, I don't know. I think Julia Quinn should learn to write instead of using <laughs> Lady Whistledown. I, sorry, is that too mean? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, like, the amazing things about those books that book is it's like pretty long and I like don't know how it's that long because the only thing going on in it is that it's constantly like Simon and Daphne love each other but they have to resist because he had a stutter and that's the (laughs) only thing that ever happens for like 500 pages I know there's like no subplots there's nothing else happening in there like I thank god like, I do, I know that the TV shows obviously have to add subplots, but thank God they added, like, so much subplots and, like, really gave, like, most of the characters stuff to do because otherwise I would be so fucking bored. Um, like, there's just not enough there, and there's really not enough there in the book for how long the book is. And uh, if you can believe it, The Viscount Who Loved Me is even longer, <laughs> so I don't know how the fuck that happened. Um... It's, yeah, it's so weird because, like, she, it's, like, so long and yet it feels like reading, like, a Wikipedia summary. Like, it never (laughs) feels like you're in the scene. It's just always, like, Daphne and Simon have really grown close and really built up a friendship. And you're, like, that never happened. Like, you're just telling me that happened. She just just tells us everything. (laughs) Like, it's never... Yeah, I, like, I have never, like, like, I mostly think that, like, the advice that, like, middle school teachers give to their students is, like, only okay. And I say that as a middle middle school (laughs) teacher who gives writing advice to students. But, like, I have never wanted to, like, take an author to my middle school classroom and sit her down and be like, hey, let's go over Show Not Tell Again (laughs) um, more than Julia Quinn because I was, like, I am not, re- yeah, literally, I'm not reading a book. I'm reading, like, a really, really long Wikipedia summary. Yeah, like, a million times she's like, Daphne and Simon are so comfortable around each other. They've never been more comfortable talking with someone. And I'm like, every bit of, every, like, actual dialogue exchange you've put in was, like, the most, like, awkward, uncomfortable thing imaginable. <laughs> yeah, I... There's, like, every once in a while there will be, like, two lines where I'm, like, yes, you did a banter. Um, But mostly, yeah, it's just, like, awkward conversations and then, like, awkward silences or, like, they say, like, hey, you're hot and then they both feel awkward about it. Um, And I'm just, like, I don't understand, like, 
I don't really understand like what dynamic these characters are supposed to have with each other. Yeah. Like I don't I don't actually understand like what sort of romance these people are experiencing. Yeah. Or like what their relationship is like. You know, what's their ship dynamic? <laughs> right, because they try she tries to tell you it's this thing of like they're oh, they're falling for each other, but they mustn't. But you're like, mm-hmm. there's not really a problem. Like, mm-hmm. Simon can never get married because he used to have a stutter. So, okay, I get that on his end. <laughs> but, like, Daphne doesn't know that, but is still like, oh, yeah. I mustn't fall for him. Mm-hmm. It, and it's I guess just like, because, like, it's he, so weird how she's like, oh, I can't possibly be with this, like, titled guy who's, like, in my social circle and is single. You're, like... And is hot and is, like, nice to me and, like, clearly wants to spend time with me. Like, oh, no. How could I possibly want to marry him? I... It's so strange. I... I don't know. I'm, like... I, as someone who loves Jane Austen, um, this feels like a, like, so much of these books feels like a crime. Yeah. You know, like, and like, I don't know, I don't know what's on the cover of, like, the copies of Bridgerton that you read, but on the cover of mine, uh, it's, like, somebody says, like, the, like, one of the pull quotes is, like, the Jane Austen of our time, and I was like, how dare you? Yeah. How absolutely dare you? Because, like, Say what you will about Jane Austen. I don't know who's saying anything negative about <laughs> Jane Austen. But say what you will. I have literally never felt like I do not understand the dynamics between two characters in a scene. You know, like she understands what is going on between any two characters and can express it in the narration, which she doesn't need a like secondary narrator to fill out for her, and like the dialogue like, so clearly and so succinctly, and I just, like, it is so frustrating to read something that feels like it's, like, trying to be, in many ways, like, in that sort of conversation that is, like, so, like, Jane Austen is so beyond the level (laughs) of this, like, this, like, I don't know, it's, like, it's, like, comparing, like, uh, like, Monet's Water Lilies to, like, a flower I drew in crayon when I was six. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? like, when you said, like, people all sent it to you because they were like, oh, it's Jane Austen meets Gossip Girl. Uh, it's, like, what's so strange about this is it's, like, it feels like someone set out to be like, how can I make something that could legally be described as a cross between Jane Austen and Gossip Girl? <laughs> without any of the substance of either of those things. And it's like this weird (laughs) experiment to be like, (laughs) what could I make that could technically, that like no one could deny that it is technically Gossip Girl meets Jane Austen. (laughs) But it is in no way Gossip Girl meets Jane Austen. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird. It's, it's kind of amazing, yeah. honestly. Like, the TV show in particular, like, how much it, like, is completely not Jane Austen or 
or uh, Gossip Girl, um, but like is still is like sort of paying homage to those, I guess. Um, I did do a lot of texting my friends the first time I watched it because most of them got through it before I did because I teach and so my job is busy. Um, but I was just texting them as I was watching. I was like, oh, not your grandma's Jane Austen. Because that's what a lot of parts of the first season yes. feel like. It's like they'll say the F word and I'll be like, ooh, not your mom, not your grandma's Jane Austen. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> it's so frustrating because like, you know, Jane Austen was obviously writing a long time ago when you couldn't mm-hmm. like put in a lot of stuff that romance books novels now can put in. And Gossip Girl Ooh. was on a network TV show. So it was it was on a network channel. So mm-hmm. similar restrictions. And then this yeah. like this Netflix thing comes along that's like we're going to have a a like sexy take on those things cuz we don't have restrictions, but it's like instead of any of the like amazing like tension and scandal that you get in uh, Jane Austen or Gossip Girl. It's literally just like we can show a man's butt. Like that's yeah. boy. And, that's the one thing though about season one. I will say they show a lot of men's butts. But yeah, it's just it's, like it's so like <laughs> sterile. And I'm just it, like, yeah. like <coughs> people holding hands in Jane Austen is so much better than like the sex scenes in Bridgerton. And I'm like not saying that as like a classy person who like thinks that's better i'm saying that as like i want to watch stuff go in butts but i am telling you that jane austen novels describing handholding is objectively more sexy yeah i yeah i will say like i have read a number of um like romance novels and i have read my share of fan fiction <laughs> And I have, it is so rare that you find anything that is sexier than like persuasion where they're just like standing in the same room and aware that they're in the same room as each other. Um, But yeah, I, some of the sexy stuff in Bridgerton works for me, um, I think as the objectively less horny member of this conversation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And, like, I do think that some of it is, like, uh, maybe not, like, I think maybe, like, sexy is the wrong word and more, like, romantic. Like, I do think some of the sex scenes are, like, do have a fair amount of romantic tension. And I do think that, like, um, Daphne and Simon have, like, pretty good chemistry. Um, But, yeah, it is just a lot of, like, oh, like, we are on Netflix, so we can show you... um, Reggie Jean Page's ass like a bunch and like thank you I guess like it's a good ass I will give them that and uh yeah we also see uh Jonathan Bailey's ass quite a bit I like that was the first time I said not your grandma's Jane Austen is in like the introduction when it's like oh they're all getting in their carriages and then it's like it cuts to Anthony's (laughs) ass like up against a tree and I'm like oh okay cool but it's not sexy yeah like they're like there's never I feel like there's never any like tension or like revving up it'll just be like 
you're watching like a man and a woman have like a stilted conversation and you're like have they ever met I don't remember and then you're just like watching them like fully naked on top of Mm -hmm. each other (laughs) yeah I yeah I think probably weirdly to me like the sexiest sequence in Bridgerton is when Daphne accidentally asks the Duke about sex because she doesn't know that that's what sex, like that's, that sex is a thing. Um, and then he basically like explains masturbation to her and then she goes home and masturbates. And I'm like, this is, that's like the best sequence in the whole show. Like I love that shit. Um, and that I think is like genuinely pretty sexy. Like how he like is like very carefully explaining it to her and then how she like, and, like, how she's picturing him and, like, I don't know. But it's, like, it's specifically because it's all of those, like, actual build-up things. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, how he licks a spoon and, oh, my gosh, like, his forearms and stuff. It's, like, I don't know. And this is also me being, like, such a Jane Austen <laughs> fucking nerd that I'm, like, oh, my God, they looked at each other's <laughs> arms. Like, yeah. Um, I think, like, but that for me is, like, the sexiest part of the TV show is, like, the masturbation plot line. Yeah, it definitely is. And like, I think that part did a really good job of taking an element that in the book I fucking hated. Um, where like the book was so into how much Daphne does not know what sex is. And like, mm-hmm. just like the way it had her be like a sexy adult, like a hot adult woman who's still like, you know, what, what does it have something to do with my between my legs? I don't know. Just like the yeah. way the I mean, like the way the book is like, like so clearly into that that like reading it, I was like, if a straight guy tried to publish this, people would be like, you should be in jail. <laughs> like Yeah, no, like predator shit. Um, and like I know that it's pretty common and like I've read I've read other uh like Regency era like romance novels and like I know that this is a pretty common feature of them that like the woman hasn't had sex and the the man clearly has um but it takes it to such a level in this book that I literally was like I wanted to shake Daphne because I was like Daphne you do have brothers like you have 100% at least seen Gregory naked like bathed him or something you know that penises exist (laughs) like I am like I don't know, at some point, I feel like you'd realize, like, hey, penis, and then a hole that I have, like, maybe <laughs> those go together. Like, I don't know. It's just such a level of, like, complete uncomprehension that I am, like, it, I'm, it's, like, it made me genuinely, like, angry. Yeah. Like, I and was, it, like, this is so weird. I feel like it's a really weird plot point that, like, she understands things so little that she's, like, always seeing Simon, like, pull out and come on the sheets. And she has, like, mm-hmm. no questions about that. She's like, oh, I guess at the end, the guy, uh, there's always a bunch of <laughs> come on the sheets. Okay. Um, but then, like, someone says the word seed to her. And it's like. And she figures yeah, it out. It's like, uh, it's like she's a covert secret agent with a trigger <laughs> phrase. She just hears seed and is like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> It's like, and I just, like, I would be like, I don't even know what the fuck you mean by seed, you know? Like, it's so, it's like as big as anything 
her mom said to her, like, I don't, and then we had to read the word seed so many times. And I was like, I am taking this word away from Julia Quinn. She can never use it again. I was like sick. Like, I, it like made me like a little nauseous by the end. I was like, oh God. Um, but yeah, it's so, it's so strange. And I have so many questions about how sex education works in Julia Quinn's Bridgerton universe. <laughs> because like, I don't understand how, like, how do dudes learn about this stuff? How did Simon learn about sex? How did Simon learn to pull out? <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like the like implication Has he never come inside a woman before. Yeah, I feel like, like the implication is that like when men are rakes, like Anthony and Simon, there's just always a bunch of like slutty, trashy ladies around, and there's like no middle ground. It's like there's girls like Daphne, yeah. and then there's like slutty girls who will just be like hey, Simon, do you want to have sex with me? I'll teach you to pull out at the end. It's fine, which is great. Like, good for them. I wish the novel was about them. But, like, I know, it's, same. It's so I weird. I know where they learned to fuck. I want to know how they learned about pulling out. I think it's just, like, a sci-fi universe where, like, some women are raised as sluts. <laughs> They're just, like, separated at birth into classes. Yeah, those are the only two classes for women. <laughs> Sluts and virgins. Yeah, and it's like, the way they talk about it is so weird because she, like, knows Simon has had sex a lot, and but, like, yeah. the way they both talk about it is just like, oh, yeah, like, I know he's always off being a rake, but, like, he wouldn't do that what to, like, me, someone who doesn't means? deserve it. <laughs> and then he's, like, weirded out that she knows about kissing and I'm like dude like and she's like well I have four brothers and like obviously Gregory isn't kissing but the other three are kissing I'm like what do you think they do after the kissing do you think that's where it's over like I don't know I'm like I don't know I also feel like maybe Colin would have said like at least book Colin would have said something to her about sex like because they're supposed to be like the tight siblings in the book, which I would have loved to actually see in the TV show because they, like, don't really hang out in the TV show. The line... Um, the part that... The line that creeped me out the most with, like, Daphne's whole thing is, like, there's a part where Simon, like, touches her boobs and is like, this is what I was thinking about touching in the courtyard. Did you know that? And she's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> God, it's so weird. It's so weird. And, like, I don't know. It's, like, I know that, like, I know that, like, the virgin thing and, like, uh, you know, like, possessing the, the virgin or whatever is, like, totally a thing in these kind of novels. But it's just, it takes it to, like, such a weird place in this novel that I am, like, I literally don't understand what the fuck Julia Quinn was thinking. Like, <laughs> I want somebody to study her brain because there is something going on there that I do not get. That I just, like, will never understand. Yes. I, yeah. This is unrelated, but yes. this is another super weird thing that I wanted to talk about when we were talking about the stuttering. Is just, like, the whole stutter plot, I think, comes off, like, really, like, ableist and, like, really weird to people with disabilities because, like... The, the whole thing is that his dad 
uh, when he stutters, like, assumes he is, like, mentally deficient and gets, like, really angry at him because of that. And the book is, like, really strongly, like, his dad doesn't understand. Like, he he goes to school and he gets good grades and he ends up, like, going to college and being, like, top in his class in college. And so it's, like, mm-hmm. the, the and book... And he, like, makes... does math without numbers. <laughs> the, <laughs> like, it make, the book makes it so clear that, like, what his dad did wrong was, like, thinking he was mentally disabled when he's not, as opposed mm-hmm. to being a terrible father and, like, doing stuff that no kid deserves to have happened to them. And yeah, then, like, like, even if Simon was stupid... Like, I feel like maybe you should have still just, uh... Just been a father, know, yeah. <laughs> been a father. And treated him nice. There are so many stupid people in the aristocracy. <laughs> like, that's the whole thing. They inbred themselves into, like, being gross and stupid. Like, I don't know. It feels it feels dumb. Yeah. It feels completely unmotivated. It's very, Yeah, it's very weirdly, like, uh, he thinks that... He has a disability, but he just has a stutter, and people with stutters don't deserve it. And it's not its not even that people with stutters don't deserve it. It's like, no, he had the strength to, like, completely get rid of it so he doesn't stutter anymore is what his dad doesn't understand. And it's like, I mean, I think people just, like, deserve to be treated okay by their parents. Like, mm-hmm. and, like, it's a problem here is, like, the dad. Yeah. And I don't know if the book understands that. And it's extra uncomfortable because, like, Coming, like, it has that whole introduction with Simon where, like, the whole time I was like, I feel like if he had a learning disability, it would still be bad that his dad treated him that way. And, like, coming off of that, there's this thing where Daphne has a suitor where she keeps thinking, like, the only thing wrong with him is that he's an imbecile, which felt, like, super uncomfortable coming off of the stuff with Simon's dad and then, like, that mm-hmm. suitor ends up, like, actually trying to assault her. So it has, like, this whole weird thing where I'm like, do you think that, like, mentally disabled people, like, just are dangerous and just, like, should be shunned from society? It's, like, a weird undercurrent yeah. in the book. It's very strange. You're right. That is... Yeah. I didn't really, like, think that one all the way through. But, yeah, it's strange and it does not... It does not work. It's not great vibes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... I. It's such a... The stuttery thing is so weird. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to tell you what uh, Simon and Kate's uh, wound cores are. <laughs> okay. Or core wounds, sorry. Um, because they're also deranged. <laughs> um, but, okay, so Anthony... His dad died, which it's the same in the TV show. But in the book, like, his core wound is that he, like, loved his dad so much and thought his dad was, like, such a cool, awesome person that, like, he thinks that he can never be better than (laughs) his dad. And so he thinks that, like, he can't be better than him in any way, so he's going to die before he reaches the age that his dad was when he died. Because, like, outliving him is also, like, being better than him. That sounds like So he's, like... Like, that sounds like a weird, like, form of OCD or something that's just, like, oh, I know. Yeah, but it's not really played like that. It's just, like, (laughs) hey, Simon's convinced... Or, no, sorry, Anthony is convinced he's gonna die. And I'm, like, 
I mean, mood. Like, <laughs> I also think I'm going to die. Like, not that. Like, he's like, I'm going to die young. And I'm like, okay, same. But, like, like I don't know. His reasoning is so weird. Yeah. And anyway, and I don't know if you knew this, but the way that his dad dies is that he gets stung by a bee. <laughs> um, which explains a lot of the deranged uh, bee symbolism um, in season one, which I also think is weird. I'm sorry, I'm off topic now, but uh, like, okay, so there's so many bees, like as like little, like, uh, I guess like, uh, what's it called? The cookie crumbs or whatever for oh, Easter um, eggs? like Easter eggs. That's the word that I was trying <laughs> to think of. Um, like Easter eggs for like fans of the book, but a bee killed the dad. <laughs> and so in, in Bridgerton, bees are omens of death. <laughs> Like, fundamentally. So it's so weird to just, like, have it show up. And, like, season two literally, season one literally ends with a little bee on the windowsill. And I'm like, why are you showing me, like, a Bridgerton omen of death, <laughs> like, leading out of this season? Um, it's so, it's very weird. But, uh, oh, and then, but yes. And then Kate's core wound is that she's scared of thunderstorms. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but she's very scared of thunderstorms. She'll, like, have panic attacks. Um, they cut this entirely from the TV show. They were like, she's like, oh, yeah, thunderstorms unsettle me because, like, they remind me of my dad. And I'm like, okay, that's, like, a real... Because, like, he would, like, read to her when it rained or something when she was a kid. And I'm like, okay, that's, like, sure. But she, like, has panic attacks during thunderstorms in the book. And, like, Anthony has to, like, comfort her during a panic attack because, you know, somehow they end up together. Um, but then it's like, she's sleeping during a thunderstorm when they're in bed together after they get married and she like starts freaking out and yelling for her mom in her sleep. And then Anthony's like, Hey, maybe you should get that checked out. And so they go to her stepmom and her stepmom is like, Oh yeah, your mom died in the middle of a thunderstorm and you watched her die and then a thunderbolt like broke a tree branch outside the window and it crashed through the window right as your mom died as you were watching her die in the thunderstorm. And that's her core wound. Um that's 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 why she's broken inside. Um and then she uh you know and then once she knows that, she's like, oh, now I'm going to be fine during every thunderstorm for the rest of the time. Thanks. I'm good. Yes, that's what it's... happens when you remember incredibly traumatic things. You're like, oh, now it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, I blocked out that trauma for a reason, probably. <laughs> but now that I've remembered that trauma, like, clearly I'm over it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I will genuinely say I think book two is better. I think The Viscount Who Loved Me is a better book. It has so much deranged shit in it still. It's so weird. Um, oh, since you just mentioned, like, stuff it did at the end of the season, um, the thing that Bridgerton did that I was like, someone needs to be executed in the streets for this. This is not okay. Just, like, at the end when they're like, next season which I guess means like social season in the show they're just like next season's gonna be even more exciting I'm like fuck you <laughs> illegal 
It's so funny. I hate it. It's, yeah, it, like, you can, you can only do that if you're actually making Gossip Girl and if it's been 22 episodes on the CW. Yeah. Like, week by week. And even then I'm like, okay, that's played out. <laughs> but you cannot do that in an eight-episode Netflix season. And the part where they're like, oh, yeah, it's Anthony's turn. And I'm like, oh, God. So yeah. annoying. Just they like... don't do that at the end of season three, season two, which, like, thank God. Um, but it's so weird. Yeah, you it's so you weird. should not have characters on screen be like, wow, next season's going to be so exciting. It should probably get an Emmy nomination for best writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is it time to talk about the most snubbed television show of the 2022 Emmys, Bridgerton? <laughs> um, it got a fucking costume nomination. <laughs> it got, like three or four nominations for like creative arts Emmys but like nobody but like people on Twitter who are like fans of Bridgerton don't know about creative arts Emmys I'm convinced like I don't think they know those exist they're just like oh Jonathan Bailey and Simone Ashley like were the greatest actors of all time and I'm like I don't know they're both hot yeah I don't Ashley's 5'11 and I'm like that is Actually, that's award worthy. <laughs> a woman being five eleven is award worthy. That's true. That's my hot take. <laughs> I think the cast in general is not very good. The I, I think mm-hmm. like some of the older people, like the Featherton mom, is good, and like uh, I think Pen- the Featherington mom is everything yeah. to me. But uh, we can talk more about her later. Um, the only one of the young people who I think really pops is Penelope. Which, like, as Ooh. I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah, if you're like not casting exclusively perfect looking people and can actually cast a wide net then you like find good actors like probably more yeah. shows should do that um. yeah and nicola Co- conlin coglin i don't know i don't I, i'm not good enough at pronouncing irish she's just a really she's been she was really good on dairy girls too and she's she's delightful as penelope i love her so much yeah uh mm-hmm. the I think the character is a lot better in the show, obviously. In the book, mm-hmm. like, her only really memorable moments are, like, she's at the ball in the beginning, and Simon, like, sees her and is like, I would actually dance with her. And that's supposed to mean Simon's, yeah. like, a good person, which is, like, ugh, I hate it. They actually use her for the exact same thing in the second book. Like, Anthony proves that he's a good person by, like, being nice to Penelope. And I hate it. I I hate it. And in the book, she's supposed to, like, like, they describe it as, like, baby fat or whatever, which I think is probably, like, mm, it's not, it's, it's, the whole thing is very fat phobic, I think. And, like, by the time you get to, like, the book where she gets to, like, marry Colin, I'm pretty sure she's supposed to have, like, lost all of her baby fat. And so she's just, like, normal looking. People, um... Oh, I was just gonna say, I feel like people, like, make fun of male authors more for how they describe women. But I actually think female authors generally are way more deranged. Because I feel like the way women in books by women are described, like, 90% of the time is, like... She wasn't conventionally attractive, although she was proud of being extremely thin and having flawless, poreless skin. (laughs) What? Bitch, what? 
I literally, and there's always like, oh, like they're not traditionally hot. They have dark hair. Yes. Unlike the hot blondes. And I like, I don't know, I looked at a picture of Julia Quinn with like her dark hair and I was like, honey, Mm -hmm. you got some stuff to deal with. Um, But it's also like, not only are they not hot by society standards, but the man is like, oh, how could anybody never ever think this woman is not like the paragon of beauty Mm -hmm. because I think she's the most beautiful thing I've ever put my eyes on. Um, It's so weird. Speaking of character descriptions, what the fuck color do you think chestnut is? (laughs) Because, (laughs) because my only reference point for chestnut is like, horses and chestnut horses are not dark colored they're like light like they're like they're like a pretty light like sandy color typically and so I assumed that chestnut was like reddish like like the actual like the actress who plays Daphne that's what I would have called chestnut Hmm. and then they kept going like oh the dark haired Bridgertons and I'm like isn't there a hair chestnut I don't (laughs) And then I Googled it, and all that was coming up was, like, Emma Stone when she has red hair. And I'm like, I don't think that's chestnut either. <laughs> so I have no idea what the wow. fuck chestnut's I supposed to look like. I always thought it was, like, brown, like, dark brown. But I, oh. now I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be dark brown, right? Because she's, like, they have dark coloring. Mm-hmm. So, like... I suppose, but every single time she mentioned the darker coloring of the Bridgertons or whatever, I was like, wait, what? Aren't they like, aren't they like fucking redheads? Like, I don't, it's so weird to me. It's so weird. Um, But yeah, no, it's, the descriptions of the Bridgertons are weird. Yeah. And like, yeah. Another Um, character description thing that I found really annoying mm -hmm. was, uh, like they were always talking about how Penelope was always in a in colors that don't flatter her complexion, mm-hmm. which just seems like a made up thing. It just made me be like, just yeah. just say she's fat. It's fine. And like, I feel like yeah. in the show, it was like even these people can be fat phobic. Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and like we we shouldn't be, and the show shouldn't be. But like the characters in it, sure they can be. Yeah, and like in the show, it was even weirder because like. When books are like, oh, the color wasn't good for her complexion, it's like, okay, I guess I just have to believe you. But in the show, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I can see that she's just, like, in a normal yellow dress and it's fine. But everyone She looks great. Yeah. I I know redheads aren't supposed to wear yellow, but I'm sorry. Nicola Collins, beautiful. She looks great. It's just, I don't know, like... Probably if you're, like, you know, a fashion photographer or something, you might think about Mm -hmm. that stuff. But I've definitely never been, like, oh, my God, someone who looks like that is wearing that color. Like, I think most people, like, look good Mm -hmm. in their clothes. I don't know. It seems made up. (laughs) Does It absolutely seems made up. I used to think I didn't look good in yellow. And then I grew up and I was, like, oh, I just, like, I don't know, it was like a weird shade of yellow, that one shirt that I had, and I didn't like it, so I got rid of it, and now I have, like, yellow stuff that I like and look good in, like... Yeah, books just, I, like, uh, have, like, really strong feelings about color, like, they'll just be like, oh, she was, like, wearing a green dress with, brought out the green flecks in her eyes, and I'm like, I don't know, like, <laughs> it just... Like, I... 
green flecks. I'm like, nobody can see that. Yes. Like, I it, don't know. It drives me insane that, like, in, like, book characters, like, 90% of what they find attractive in someone is eye color. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, w I would never be like, I'm so into this guy because of the color of his eyes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever noticed the color of anybody else's eyes unless I am like yeah. right in their face. Yeah. And then I'm like, I feel like if you're right in somebody's face, you should be focusing on other stuff. <laughs> yeah, like I had a boyfriend once who like he told me that people like compliment his eyes. And like after he said that, I like looked at him and was like, oh, they are pretty. But I would like never have yeah. come to that conclusion on my own. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I think a lot about my eye color because I kind of have, like, the gray eye thing of, like, oh, if I wear blue or purple, like, they don't look as gray or whatever. But, like, I I don't think anybody else has ever noticed that. Yeah. I brought it up and people are like, wait, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, yeah, gray eyes. And they're like, your eyes are blue or something, <laughs> right? And I'm like, nope. And But, like, nobody cares. <laughs> I barely care. You know? I, it's so, it's so strange. And like, yeah, and she's all like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, in the book, like Daphne with her like green circles around her like pupils or whatever. I'm like, I, yeah, I it just, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it just doesn't. Yeah, it just feels like authors are like touchy about like, they don't want to outright say like certain things are unattractive and certain things are attractive. So it's like all this like made up mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. I would kind of prefer if you mm -hmm. were just like big boobs are hot and stretch marks are not <laughs> hot. Like I know what the world is like. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to shelter me like, from it. Yeah. And I do think that's some of like the fantasy of it or whatever mm, that yeah. they're just, like trying to live in. It's like that Bo Burnham like repeat stuff song that's like, oh, like boy bands always write songs where it's like, oh, I love your, how your arms are normal. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah, like, just like when they're like, oh no, I'm, I, I'm not like the girl, the other girls, like guys just see me as a friend because of my like slightly protruding nose. <laughs> I actually have like a rounder chin. So I'm just like a tomboy that guys are just friends with. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. I think more book characters should, or more like romance novel characters should just have off-putting personalities. Yes. Like, <laughs> just the reason no men will will propose to me is because of my terrible personality. Yeah. I hate how Daphne in the books is constantly like, oh, the problem is I'm like too funny and nice and like easy to get along yeah. with. It's like... I don't. Oh God! I don't. I how, I can't imagine living in that kind of like shame of like just being too nice and too cool and too funny. Yeah, God. Like I get that sometimes. Like guys do sort of like like bitchier girls, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like a lot of the time it's like they're attracted to the fact that they're like wearing high heels and makeup <laughs> yeah and, like but if, like the if a girl who was like interested in their stuff and laughed at their jokes and made them laugh looked exactly the same as all of the hot bitchy girls I think they'd be like oh yeah like that's what I want <laughs> yeah and like 
It's like how they all want a hot girl who's wearing heels but will also eat a hamburger, you know? Yeah, especially, like, in this universe where, like, all the guys are, like, constantly being pressured to get married and, like, Daphne is a girl from, like, a good family with a good dowry. I feel like guys wouldn't be like, oh, no, but I like hanging out with her, so I have to pick someone else. Fuck. I'm gonna have to spend the rest of my life with her, and I actually kind of like her? <laughs> oh, no! Like, I don't know, most of these people aren't marrying for love. Yeah. Like, and I know the whole, like, Bridgerton thing is like, oh, they all marry for love, but, like, that's only because it's a romance novel. Like, people would be proposing to her fucking left and right. Uh, yes! Because they're like, oh, I don't need to love you, but, like, you're fun to hang out with. Yeah, like, like that is something that drove me crazy, I think it was actually even worse in the show, is like, mm -hmm. when Anthony manages to drive everyone away and Daphne doesn't have any prospects, it's like, I don't mm -hmm. know, it's like, the guys have to get married and there's like 20 or whatever eligible women their age, I think someone just will marry her. Like, I never believed yeah. that it was a problem. <laughs> yeah, no. Although, I, I get it. I also would not want to have to be related to Anthony. So, <laughs> so also, like, I do get that. Yeah. I'm also just biased because I, th like, just think that, like, sad old men are really hot. And whenever, like, mm -hmm. stuff that takes place in this era is like, oh, no, like, the only one who'll have me is this, like, old widower who's friends with my dad. I'm like, that sounds great. Like, why isn't that the novel? <laughs> Yeah, that sounds super fun, you know? Like, it sounds like good vibes. Yeah, um, yeah maybe not Nigel Burbrook, but, like, <laughs> other old dudes, like, sure, you know? Sounds like a fun time. We'll just hang out. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, which I guess is the plot of Sir, To Sir Philip with Love, which is the Eloise book. Is like, oh, hey, yeah. what if you married the old widower guy <laughs> who is friends with your family, um, except... I think Eloise should run away to the continent instead, but whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have other things that I wanted to talk about, and now I'm like, what were they? <laughs> um, oh, I did, I did want to kind of talk just a little bit about, like, the difference between season one and two, mm -hmm. which I know, like, you did not watch season two, but, um, or, and I don't know if you will or not, I will tell you, I do think it is less sexy than season one, um, and I don't, A, be, like, there is less sex, which I think is what a lot of people are referring to when they talk about season two being less sexy, but I actually think that it's less sexy because the sex stuff they do have, they film super weirdly. Ugh. And I rewatched all of the sex scenes in Bridgerton last night, which was like, I don't know. It was just like, it took a bit. Um, <laughs> was, did you f find like a YouTube compilation or were you like fast forwarding through? I literally just scrubbed through wow. the episodes on my iPad because like my TV, it was like too hard to like fast forward and not stop fast forwarding. So I was like on my iPad, like scrubbing. Um, <laughs> Probably there's a YouTube compilation, but I didn't think of that. So, um, but I literally was doing it to like, because I was paying attention to how they filmed them. And like, what I will say about the first season of Bridgerton is they are like willing to hold a shot or like at least make it feel like they held a shot 
So like you actually see like, hey, we went from kissing to like, I'm kissing your neck, but like we actually see that movement, you know, like we see them go through the motions of having sex. Whereas in season two, it'll like spin around or it'll pan around or it'll cut and like all of a sudden they're in a different position. And I'm like, wait, how did they get there? And it like totally ruins the mood. It totally ruins the vibe. There is a kit, like the first, and it sucks because the first half of the season I think is really sexy. Like when Kate and Anthony hate each other and they're like, but they do a lot of like close, like breathing. I don't know. Like they just like put their faces close together and they're both going like, like they're like trying to like not be into each other but they're very into each other and so they're like we need to be as close as possible and that stuff's all like very hot actually and they like will hold on that and that tension is good and then their first kiss is like literally one of the least sexy kisses (laughs) I've ever seen on television and I was so mad because I was like how do these two people who have like genuinely do have chemistry and who were very hot in the first couple episodes when they weren't kissing, but like were close to kissing, how is actually kissing so much worse? And it's like, I went back and it's like, the camera's like spinning around them and it's like cutting back and forth. And it's like, you just don't get any time to like sit in it with them. Um, And so I don't know, uh, film the sex scenes better, Bridgerton. Um, So that is one of my big, differences between seasons one and two I also it does feel like they lost a little bu- bit of budget in season oh, two no, the they were already not, good. not really looking great <laughs> yeah I um oh I forgot to tell this story okay yeah I watched it and I thought it looked like shit and I mean <laughs> I don't I don't mind tv shows looking bad like I'll watch Degrassi but it's clearly like mm-hmm. trying to look good which annoyed me. Yeah, it's trying to look like it has HBO money. Yes. Um, but like the funny thing about it was I was watching the show and then I went and I got new glasses and then I came home and put it on and I was like, this looks shittier than I realized <laughs> it did. <laughs> I guess it's a good sign your glasses are working. Yeah. But oh man, that is so fucking funny. Um, yeah. I watched the first season and the second season, I think. I think I watched both of them on my laptop, which is where I've watched most of my TV over the years. And, like, everything looks fine on my laptop. (laughs) Um, And then last night I was watching, like, I don't know, season two on my TV, and I was like, this looks so bad. Yeah, I mean, that probably is, like... I think Netflix probably does imagine people are just going to watch on their fucking phone so they don't need to make stuff look good. (laughs) I'm the person that Netflix is marketing to watch (laughs) stuff on their phones. I'm like, I'm the depressed bitch who's lying in bed watching like Netflix TV shows like on my phone because I'm too late. I'm like too sad to get out of bed and like watch TV. Um, But I, I don't know. It's so strange. It's. And, like, the fabrics, I don't know, they all look, like, they look cheaper in season two. It looks like they, like, had to find a bunch of curtains and turn them into dresses. Um, And poor Simone Ashley, she is so hot and all of her dresses are so bad. Um, It's a real tragedy. 
Um, but yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, the worst part, I think, or like one thing that I am kind of bummed about is that um, Regé Jean, Regé, I have no idea how to say his name, Regine, the guy who plays Simon, mm-hmm. Regé Jean Page, or, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't say anybody's name, um, he doesn't come back in season two because they like offered him like, I don't know, like something ridiculously mm-hmm. low for like a guest appearance. I think it was like, I don't know. I couldn't find the number anymore, but I truly think it was like $30,000 or something for an episode. And I'm like, that is embarrassing. Like, good sign that they don't have, like, I was like, oh, that's the thing that like proved to me that they had less money um, to make season two. But I was like, you cannot offer the star of the last season $30,000 an episode to like make an appearance. Um, But it sucks. Because, like, the whole point of season one is him learning to, like, be part of a family. And then he's just, like, never part of the family <laughs> again. Um, and, like, Daphne shows up and she's always like, oh, Simon is somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, she literally says, like, oh, I left my, my husband in the country to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, like, maybe you just, like, telegraph this a little less. But it's very, very strange. Um and uh, kind of a real bummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think they should give him like a million dollars and make him be in one episode. <laughs> like, yeah. If Netflix will fund Noah Bombuck's, uh, you know, <laughs> white noise or whatever the fuck it's called, like, come the fuck on. Just give, just give him some money and make him show up. Um, yeah. So those are my big notes on season two. There's a lot of other stuff, I think, to say about it. Um, but I think that those are kind of the big differences that, like, I really noticed was it's like, okay, like, you're trying to still emphasize the family piece, but you're missing a member of the family mm-hmm. that, like, became really integral in the last season, and uh, the sex scenes are not as good. Um, but they are going to be a new showrunner for seasons three and four. That's good, um, frankly. Yeah. I... Yeah, Chris Van Dessen is uh, stepping down. Um, he's going to do executive producing, which is, far, which is what I thought we called show running when we were talking to lay people, but apparently not. <laughs> um, as a lay person, I was like, isn't executive producing the same thing as show running? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, I, I stalked the new showrunner on Instagram, and she's married to a woman, so... I don't know. Chris Van Dessen is also married to a man. If so like, you look him up, there's a photo of his family that really looks like they're going to do a get out. It oh is God. horrifying. <laughs> like, there's nothing, I, like, there's nothing I can point to in it that's, like, bad, but, like, that's the vibe. <laughs> yeah, well, and isn't that the whole get out thing? It's, like, there's nothing specific here that I can be like, oh, that's bad, but it clearly is. Yeah. God. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what his deal is, but I'm hoping that a new showrunner will kind of help things a little bit along. Um, and I just, uh, like, I know I'm going to keep watching this show <laughs> because I hate myself, but... 
And like, I do genuinely kind of enjoy watching it, but like, I also, because I hate myself, but like, I genuinely don't think I can watch seasons about Benedict or Eloise where they end up with like, they end up in a straight yeah. pairing. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, can you just change like what happens in the books? Like, just let Benedict and Eloise like find a man and a woman and then they marry each other's spouses and then they can all have like a gay compound mm-hmm. together where they do gay shit um, because I genuinely cannot stand it. <laughs> I like, am, I'm watching the show and I'm like, I cannot do this. <laughs> I, they give Eloise like a, like a love interest kind of. Neither of them ever says that they, like, actually, like, like the other person. They're just like, oh, we're friends. And then, like, oh, do you think about me? But it's, like, it's a TV show about straight love. So, like, clearly they're supposed to, like, like each other. Um, but his name is, like, Theo. And he's, like, an apprentice at a printing press that prints, like, pamphlets about the rights of women and, like, radical publication stuff. And I'm, like... Why can't this just be, like, a butch girl? Like, why the fuck is Theo, like, this awkward Twinkie boy? Mm -hmm. I I say Twinkie. I'm just, like, every time I see, like, a tall white boy who's also very skinny, I'm like, that's a twink. Um, But, like, why isn't it just, like, Theodora and she's, like, a butch lesbian who works at a printing press? Like, I don't know. Just, like, give me this. Like, how hard is it? And I just, like, I genuinely don't know if Bridgerton is queerbaiting or if they, like, like, if they're, like, purposefully queerbaiting, like, viewers like me, or if they don't mean to. (laughs) I genuinely can't tell. I, I don't know if you have a take on that just from season one, but... Yeah, no, I have no idea. It just, it feels... It feels like it is just from a different time. It just feels like mm-hmm. they're like, well, it's 1997 on the WB, so <laughs> like, it's so we can very just like weird. you know have one character be gay, say his gay speech, and then never show up again. Yes. That guy literally never shows up again after he's like, oh, you don't know how it is to stand in the same room and be oceans apart or whatever. And then he, like, literally is never in the show again. So I, like, don't, I don't know what the fucking point of any of it is. I was just, like, watching it. I was, like, maybe Netflix is more uptight than I think. Like, I guess these are sort of based on books, like, aimed at moms. But it feels like Netflix is fine with stuff. So it's very weird. (laughs) Yeah, I like, just, like, don't understand. Like, why is House of Cards gayer than Bridgerton? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, like, I don't understand if they just, like, don't realize that these characters could do gay shit. <laughs> or, like, what is keeping them from, what is keeping them from, like, doing gay shit? Like, if we're making, like not your mother's Jane Austen, or not your grandma's Jane Austen, with a hint of Gossip Girl, why aren't there gay people? 
or like gay people who are actually like major characters yeah. like because I guess there are two gay guys um who you know nobody fucking cares about yeah. it's one of those shows where uh I'll google British and gay character and just like everything that comes up is like is this character gay here are all the hints or like could a gay character be introduced next season mm-hmm I our friend Sarah Gallup tweeted one time like queer baiting is like if you took the limitless pill but the only thing you could think about is teen wolf <laughs> or something like that um and that's how I feel watching Bridgerton. It's like, oh, like I have taken the limitless pill, but the only thing I can think about is how Eloise should be kissing a woman. Like I can't focus on <laughs> anything else. Um, and yeah, I feel like I'm being queer baited. Like, you know, like it's 2015 and I'm watching like the first Star Wars movie and I'm like maybe, and I'm watching Star Wars and I'm like, maybe they will let Finn and Poe be yeah. together. Um, which in retrospect deranged, but uh, like that I even ever thought that was going to happen. <laughs> but like, but like, it's like, I feel like I'm right back there in that space and I'm like 27, I'm like an adult and it's like destroying my brain, you know? Yeah, it's so weird because like all gay showrunners are awful and a menace to society. They should all be in jail, mm -hmm. but like... They should all be in jail and Lenny should take all of their jobs. <laughs> Do you hear me, Hollywood? Give Lenny all the gay showwriter, <laughs> showrunner jobs. But, like, most <laughs> gay showrunners by now have realized that they can, like, be disgusting. And that's, like, the main <laughs> redeemable thing is it's, like, okay, like, this isn't going to be good and isn't going to be, like, good for gay people intellectually, <laughs> but... Or in any meaningful will be way. fucking disgusting and then this Bridgerton guy is just like, I just want to sometimes show a guy's butt, but like, well, he's having sex with a woman. And I'm like, I don't understand you. People fought at Stonewall so that you could be gross and you're just not. <laughs> like, at least show the like, like a gay sex butt, you know? Yeah. Like if you're gonna, like, we don't get anything below like their shoulder blades. Like it's like, hello, we've got one man face and one guy's shoulder blades and that is it. I feel like we don't even get like guys butts like alone in their room or something. It's like, you have to be like, and he's with a woman. Like men yeah, don't have butts for anything except for having sex with women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so strange. Yeah. It's... I mean, I guess this is, like, my experience with most sort of, like, romance novels and things based on romance novels is I'm just, like, fundamentally, like, I don't understand this version of horniness. I'm just like, <laughs> why is this doing it for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of me being like, I do not understand straight people yeah. um, when and I'm... Like, I feel bad yeah. about this, but when I read, like, Philip Roth or something, I'm like, okay, like, I get it. Like, I get horny <laughs> men. But then when I, like, read a romance novel by a woman, I'm just, like, baffled. I'm just like, don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And I've definitely read good romance novels. I do want to say that again because I don't want to be, like, 
like, you know, dissing all of romance novels or anything. And, like, I literally, I finished reading the romance, the Bridgerton novels, and I was like, before we do this podcast, I have to read a good one Mm -hmm. because otherwise, like, I... Like, I, anyway, so I, t- I like, messaged my friend Roisin, and I was, like, recommend me good romance novels. And I read, like, four um, on my iPad during, like, while I was on vacation because I was, like, these are so easy to read. And they were, like, enjoyable. But, yeah, it's a lot of me being, like, I don't get, I don't get straight people. I don't yeah. get straight desire. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um... Yeah, and I don't know. I think part of it also is that all of the first, like, romance novels I read was, like, fan fiction. <laughs> um, because, like, I would say, like, most fan fiction is just a romance novel. Mm-hmm. Like, but just about two characters you already know and want, to fu- and want them to fuck. Um, and so, or, like, at least romantic fan fiction. Or, like, and so, like, I don't know. So I feel like I came two romance novels from a place of like being on the internet and reading like pretty good fan fiction and being like okay like I get how this looks when it's good and like when it's written by like lesbians on tumblr (laughs) um and so I like when I read like adult straight woman romance novels I'm always like Huh, I feel like you should take some classes from the lesbians on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. I, it's, an, it's an interesting genre. Yeah, it's just like the... I'm just like, I know this is like objectively like more mainstream and like objectively like more people get this but I when I just read this I'm just like I'm like so confused about why this is sexy and I would just be so much more accepting of like a weird fanfic that's like I want a guy to like shrink me down and keep me in a jar or something but just like (laughs) reading something that's just like oh what if I met a cool guy but he was like oh I'm actually a little bit bad. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm damaged. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm damaged because I had a stutter. Yeah, I feel like I so just, like, much of it is based in like sort of like wanting there to be a problem, but like mm-hmm. being scared of any real problem. So the whole thing is yeah. just like, what if uh, we were two attractive rich people who should get married but, and then there's, like, no end to that <laughs> sentence. But, like, the whole thing is just, like, written, like, yeah. oh, it's the most forbidden love of all, the kind between an attractive woman and an attractive man. <laughs> will they be able Will they be able to get past the fact that they're both really cool and nice? Yeah. Will their, uh, you know, sexy banter make it impossible for them to actually have sex? Somehow, who knows? Um, yeah, it's it's very strange. It's a strange, strange genre. Um, but also, like, the part that is strangest to me is that people are like, oh, the Bridger... Like, like, romance readers like the Bridgerton novel. Yes. I, yeah, I had a friend 
who I don't remember these books at all. I didn't know anything about them. But I had a friend who said it came out when she was in college and she remembered people talking about the turn things take as like a cool girl boss female empowerment thing. Oh god. <laughs> I I mean, I guess it came out in 2000. So, you know, a pre-9/11 yes. world. So we it. <laughs> like 9/11 was bad, but the upside was we all came to realize that forcing people to come inside you was bad. Like once the towers <laughs> fell, we were mature enough as a nation to be like, you really shouldn't force people to come when they don't want to. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was definitely 9-11 that did that. Uh, so those terrorists, they did one thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, actually, I'm not sorry. I think people uh, should uh, stop using 9-11 to excuse the actions of America. So, 9-11, I, mean, I think, it only comes up on this podcast when you're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, that, yeah, you know, that that's me. I'm the 9-11 guest. So, that's what you get, folks. When I come on the podcast, um, okay, I like wrote a bunch of notes for this. Um, literally like 10 minutes before we started, I was like, what are all the things that I need to make sure I talk about? And I'm like looking through it and I did do most of it. Um, one thing uh, that I did not mention is that um, yet again, uh, I don't understand straight people because um, I have literally, I, I, I actually just shouldn't go on TikTok is like the <laughs> precursor to this. Is like I should just not go on there because it is a scary place with lots of teenagers that I do not understand. But I had to watch an Eloise like male footman. There's like a male footman who like has a couple of exchanges with her in season two. I had to watch a fan cam of the two of them. <laughs> I like where like somebody's like oh I ship these two and I'm like I like I don't know I like what in the Bridgerton staff writer like who are these people who think Eloise is interested in men like I don't understand any of them I, am I have always no connection fascinated to them. by fans who are like oh yeah there's like such a lack of like just like standard straight romance out there that I have to like imagine this really obscure thing. <laughs> yeah, like pair. Yeah, it's like okay, like if it was like you know Benedict in this footman, I'd be like so down. But like I don't know, why are you making like obscure pair, like like straight pairings out of characters who don't have lines? That's what like characters that don't have lines are what are like for gay people. Yeah, like that's. <laughs> They're for us. Like, go get away. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh my God. We never talked about Lady Featherington, um, who is the love of my life. She's so hot. She is so hot. And she also has the exact same energy as Julie Cooper from the OC. Yes. And 
Like, so much so that I literally Googled her to make sure that she wasn't the actress who played Julie Cooper on the OC, even though they don't really look that much alike. Because I was like, they have so much of the same energy that I, like, became convinced they were played by the same woman. But she is so good. She is so hot. And she is by far the best character on the show. I would die for her. And... Uh, her husband has extreme Jimmy Cooper energy. Yes, except oh my God. that, except that it's he's less hot because he's not played by Tate Donovan, <laughs> um, which is a tragedy. Um, but I I love the Featheringtons. I'm like so into everything they got going on over yeah. there. Um, it's very fun, and they have more fun in the season two, nice. um, which is great. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Lady Featherington. Um, becomes a uh, cougar and then fucks over the guy that she got to fall in love with her and it's amazing we uh, we stan we stan a queen Lady Featherington she's where it's at Um, also all of her dresses are incredible yeah I will say I appreciate the like boob situation on all yes. of the dresses here. By far, I don't understand. The, yeah, the best thing about period pieces is just that every milf has insane tits. <laughs> yes, it's like we we need to go back to being like, look, I'm a proper lady. I command respect. Mm-hmm. I'm from a good family. Obviously, my huge melons are just prominently on display. <laughs> like, in your face. Just, yeah. yeah. I don't... It's amazing. It's like eight, like 1900s fashion, or 19th century fashion. It's like everything is covered <laughs> except my tits, which are, like, right in your face. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. I love the look. <laughs> um, God. Yeah. And Lady Featherington's tits are by far the, be- the best ones. Yeah. Okay, uh, what do you think of Violet Bridgerton, the mom? Oh, yeah. I think on the show, she's really boring. In the book, it's, like, annoying because I felt like Julia Quinn, like, obviously had read a lot of Jane Austen or whatever, and you, I feel like mm-hmm. you can just feel her being like, okay, I know that moms are supposed to be like this. And it's just, like, her being, like, in a very, like, detached intellectual way, being like, oh, yeah, people, like, like fictional moms being like this. But she doesn't, like, you can tell there's, like, no emotion behind it. She's just, like, very calculatedly being like, okay, there has to be a mom like this. Yes, there has to be a mom who's trying to get all of her kids laid. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I... I am so, like, yeah, because she is, that, that I have the exact same opinion about the book one. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like, it doesn't really feel like you have your heart in this character at all, but I guess, like, every once in a while she says something kind of witty and then throws, like, a man or a woman yeah. at one of her kids. And it also is annoying because I feel like she, like, Julia Quinn, like, doesn't understand that, like, in Pride and Prejudice, like, the mom wanted her daughters to get married, like, literally, so they would, like, have homes. And, like, yeah. in, in Bridgerton, like, she has all these sons. So it's, like, she's, like, being pushy for, like, no reason. Yeah, it's, like, Anthony's not going to throw any of them out on the street. Yeah. He's a dick, but he, like, wants his, chi- his he wants his family members to have, like, houses. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's so weird. And, like, they all have money. And, like, I don't know, it's, like, 
why do they need to get married? Yeah. I don't understand why Eloise has to get married. I'm like, why can't she just be single? Like, who cares? Because, um, yeah, it's like a rich, well-to-do family that is, like, well-respected. Yeah, like, with, like, literally four sons. Like, they're going to be fine. Four sons. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, who cares? Like, maybe one of them has to have a kid. Like, and you have eight of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have eight kids. Just only only one of them has to ha- give birth to a son, you know? Like, come the fuck on. We got this. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very strange. Um, you know. Uh, but in the show, she's so... I don't know. I feel like there is this hidden thread through Bridgerton, which is, in what ways did my mom fuck me up? <laughs> um, because... Like, season one, it's, like, right there in your face. And she, like, never apologizes for any of it because, of course, like, she's just like, oh, I, like, oh, just me. Like, oh, little poor me. I'm so sorry I couldn't be the mom that you needed or whatever. She does, like, that, like, she does the thing that all moms do when you go to therapy (laughs) where it's like, oh, I'm so sorry that I, like, did my best raising (laughs) you. Um, But... It's like she clearly fucks Daphne up. And then in season two, it's like she totally fucks Anthony up because when the dad dies, she like won't do anything and like won't take care of the kids or anything. And like Hyacinth and Gregory are like babies. And so Anthony's like taking care of the family and he's like, hey, mom, could you like come say hi to your children? Because we all are sad and we miss you and we all miss our dad. And she's like, I am trying my best, (laughs) which means I'm going to sit in here in the sitting room and I am not going to talk to any of you. And she never apologizes for that either, which is like the reason that he's fucked up in the TV show is like he doesn't want to get married and he doesn't want to like fall in love because he... um, He's like, you were too sad when dad died, and I, like, don't want to be the cause of those emotions, which I actually think is, like, more reasonable than the, like, I can't outlive my father (laughs) thing. Um, But it's like, and then she's like, oh, I'm sorry if you felt that way or whatever. (laughs) Like, she never apologizes for any of her behavior, and I am, like, I just am, like, and, like, Eloise is, like, oh, like, I can't fit your expectations of me. And I don't, like, and I feel like I'm a disappointing you. Um, and I'm just, like, how has she fucked up Colin? How has she fucked up Benedict? How has she fucked up the other ones? Like, I am very, like, it literally feels like Bridgerton, the TV show, is, like, hey, here's all the ways that your mom can fuck you <laughs> up. Um, which is... Uh, and she's supposed to be, like, the cool, fun character who's, like, tells it like it is and is kind of a badass. And, like, particularly in season two, they, like, hook her and Lady Danbury up a little bit more. So they're, like, scheming together. Um, and so, like, it – and, like, Lady Danbury's supposed to be, like, the coolest character in the whole thing, which, like, correct. Like, <laughs> the old lady should always be the coolest character. Um but so it's sort of this weird like oh like I'm supposed to think she's like cool and badass and but also she's like the source of trauma <laughs> in the show. Yeah, fair. And it's so funny because another mom in the second season is like like apologizes to her kids for doing the same thing that Violet mm-hmm. does to her kids and 
like and it's like oh yeah that's great and then they're just like oh but you're still supposed to like violet even though she did the same thing and never apologized like and anthony like hears that and you can see his face kind of go like oh maybe my mom shouldn't have done that to me <laughs> and then it just isn't talked about anymore we're just done <laughs> okay in the wrap-up real quick can i suggest that we uh Earlier, you said that um, somebody should be executed in the streets for going, oh, next social season is going to be even crazier than this one. I would like to make a list of everybody involved in Bridgerton who should be uh, executed in the streets. Um, and I would like to first add to that list whoever cut um, Daphne's bangs. Oh, yeah. Because what the fuck? <laughs> I am like the world's foremost advocate for bangs, but those are, they're so bad. And whoever styled them, like, I don't know what that actress did to them, but is it too late for her to apologize? Because like, anyway, so they're on my list of people who should be executed in the streets for their crimes against humanity on Bridgerton. Um, <laughs> do you have any additions? I feel like I should. I know mm -hmm. definitely that next season thing drove me insane. Um, mm -hmm. Another horrible crime, I would say, is the end of the book when it, like, quotes the beginning of Pride and Prejudice. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Oh, God. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to add the person who compared Julia Quinn to Jane Austen yeah. to the uh, list of people to be executed in the street. It's <laughs> such a baby brain thing to just be like, this thing that is just like literally stealing elements of Jane Austen is this generation's Jane Austen. It's like, no, like this generation's no. Jane Austen would be doing something like different and cool. <laughs> yeah, and like something in a modern setting, like, yeah. I have a lot of takes about who I think the modern Jane Austen is, but uh, we don't have to get into that. Um, but yes, yeah, so the person who cut Daphne's bangs, the person who wrote that next season line, uh, the person who compared it to modern Jane Austen, whoever uh, picks out Eloise's hats and does Eloise's hat styling um, executed, um, and whoever uh, uh, decided that Anthony should be an absolute piece of shit in season one. Yeah. I, he's a piece of shit in the book in yeah. some ways. Yeah. But, like, so much less. What's, like, weird about the books is they, like, are always mentioning Simon and Anthony being rakes, but, like, don't really get into what that means. And then yeah. in the show, it's like, oh, there are, like, actual women whose, like, feelings and well-being they're, like, fucking with. Yeah. Sienna's such a weird character because she is actually in book two. Um, but she's in book two as, like, an opera singer that's basically, like, Simon's fuck buddy. Like, whenever she comes to town, they'll, like, fuck. And then she'll, like, leave town and they're both, like, okay, cool. Like, we're done. Um, and... It's so strange to have him be like, oh, like, I'm in love with you and, like, oh, like, I'm going to look out for you and all of this stuff when, like, the whole thing is supposed to be that, like, he doesn't want to ever be in love because he doesn't want to, like, make someone suffer the same way their mom, their, their mom did. Yeah, it's also so, really weird that, like, the ending of that story is, like, 
he's too late. So for some reason, she has to be with someone who looks like the most like queer coded villain character. <laughs> it's like such a weird choice that she's like, no, so Anthony weird. was so mean. I have to be with like this baggy guy now. <laughs> yeah, and it's so strange that she that he like. It's so weird that he, like, invites her to the ball. I'm like, Anthony, if you are, like, so obsessed with, like, your fucking role in society, you fucking know that that's not how this works. Like, I don't know. Stop being stupid. Like, he's very stupid and also mean. I don't... I also hate that, like, both in the book and the TV show, he and Simon, like, aren't friends. Yeah. Like, they're supposed to be, like, best friends from, chi- like, from school and childhood and friends for, like, 20 years or whatever. And it's, like, they're just, like, not friends. Like, and they, like, fully hate each other for, like, <laughs> the rest of the book and presumably the series. Like, they're never nice to each other yeah, again. Yeah, like, there's, it's super ominous how, like, as soon as Simon so shows any interest in his sister Anthony hates him because that just made me be like oh like how bad were you treating women together that you're like whoa like not my sister I know and like yeah in the book he's supposed to genuinely be like kind of a piece of shit to women um and like he purposefully like yeah he like uses it against um Kate the main character he like I don't know, he, like, kisses her within, like, 20 minutes, within, like, the first, like, I don't know, 50 or so pages of the book, and I'm, like, in the last book, you'd have to, like, marry her or, like, get shot in the street, (laughs) and now he's just, like, kissing her, and I'm, like, she's still, like, a lady, and, like, in the TV show, he's, like, oh, I compromised you, actually, we should get married, um, when he kisses her, um, and then she's, like, no, we can just pretend it didn't happen, (laughs) it's chill, Um, but yeah, it's so, it's so weird. It's, he's a weird, he's a weird character and he doesn't quite work from book one to two or from season one to two. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what happened there. You didn't think that through, but yeah, the whole Sienna thing, super weird. Don't like it. Um, that actress, uh, pretty hot though. Mm -hmm. So I'll give him that. Um, yeah, okay, so I think we mentioned wrapping up, and I think I have, I don't know, it's like, oh my gosh, we've been talking for like two hours. All right. Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's Mm -hmm. get into it. Let's, uh, let's rate the book and movie, or sorry, the book and Mm -hmm. the show. So, Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to give the book, like, one and a half, because, like, Mm -hmm. most of it which again is like 450 fucking pages. Uh, <laughs> most so of long. it, you're just like, okay, this is like really mediocre, but okay. And then you like mm-hmm. get to Daphne violating him horribly. And you're like, okay, I already didn't love this book. And now that's part of it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it'd just be like a one and a half for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, go, go ahead. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think I would also give the book, like, a one and a half. Maybe, if I'm taking both books, which I did, I did read both of them, I will probably not read any more Bridgerton books. I read the summaries of all of them. I'm good. Um, 
but I would probably give it like two because I did find the Viscount Who Loves Me like at least engaging in a way that I didn't find the Duke and I particularly engaging. Had a really hard time getting through it. I kept like reading like a hundred pages and then I'd be like, uh, I don't know. And then I'd give up for like three <laughs> days or whatever. Um, and then the show I would give two cause I still didn't enjoy it, but I was mm-hmm. definitely like, okay, this like added in stuff that I didn't enjoy, but was still like, okay, you like put in stuff. So it's not just like mm-hmm. Simon and Daphne being like, we like each other so much, even though we haven't acted like we like each other at all. So, like, that's that's good that there's other characters yeah. and things. Yeah, there's, like, other things going on, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would probably give the show, like, three, maybe three and a half stars, depending on my mood that day. <laughs> um, just because I do, like... I don't know, it's schlocky and I can kind of turn my brain off, but sometimes that's the kind of TV that I like. Um, and sometimes it's just kind of fun to watch something that's a little stupid. <laughs> um, I think that there are things that season two did way better than season one. And I also think there was stuff that uh, was much more annoying in season two. Like, I think the whistle down stuff got kind of tiresome by the end of the season. And um, I don't know. Some of it was uh, a little more frustrating. And like I said, the editing was all over the place. Um, But I did, but I do enjoy watching it. And I will probably watch any other seasons they release. (laughs) Although uh, the Eloise season might break me. So um, yeah, I'm going to just beg um, the new showrunner to uh, have mercy on me. (laughs) Um, <laughs> uh, but so yeah, so like three, maybe three and a half stars if I am feeling generous, okay. which I am not feeling hugely generous today. So three. Okay. Um, and, uh, I like to end on a recommendation. Um, yes. so since I liked the show better, I'm going to recommend a book for fans of the show and I am going to recommend The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro, because I read it like right after Bridgerton and I I was like this is like uh this is like the Duke and I in that like all of their conversations are really like stilted and awkward but Mm -hmm. in this one it totally works for me and I'm like (laughs) yeah I absolutely want them to like kiss and end up happy after these like weird awkward conversations that they're having uh so it was a good it was a good palate cleanser amazing um I am gonna go complete opposite direction from like Nobel Prize winning <laughs> and um I am going to recommend a one of the romance novels that my friend Roisin made me read uh when I finished the Bridgerton books and was like Roisin are all romance novels bad please level with me um, it, uh, I read this one, she had me read this one that is, um, called Unmasked by the Marquess, um, by Cat Sebastian, and it's, like, it's a, it takes place in sort of that, like, 1800s, like, um, ma- marriage mart season, um, 
sort of society, just like Bridgerton, except it is about, it is a queer story about a non-binary character who um, was born a woman and has been dressing as a man for years, basically for circumstances, because, you know, some man died and uh, she's looking out for um, one of her friends who was the sister of the guy who died and uh uh so the main character ends up falling in love with and he ends up following falling in love as well um with this marquess um and he's bisexual she's gender fluid and it's about sort of navigating that like well we could just get married and be like a normal couple but i have no desire to like live as like a normal woman in society which kind of actually brings like a level of like I think oh these two attractive people should just be together it brings like a level of like actual conflict to that um that I that worked for me so I liked that book quite a bit so that is my recommendation if you like me um like Bridgerton but really really wish it was ganger (laughs) um so yeah that sounds good yeah. All right. And uh, we'll do plugs. Uh, everyone can follow me on Twitter at Lenny Burnham and check out my other podcast, House of House, uh, about a show that is much sexier than Bridgerton, but should, <laughs> okay. would benefit from more men's butts, I think. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yes. Uh, all right. Ellen, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at I wish I was a Finch. Um, that's where I'm hanging out and having all these same opinions <laughs> just in text instead of voice. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. Everybody, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks and for being here. Bye. <laughs>